Harp on Sports with Seth Harp. You know what time it is. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Go, bartenders. Go, food needs refill. Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, and radio network. What do we have in store for you on this edition of The Bar? Primes shine as Deion Sanders, of course, is the story of college football and what he's done at Colorado, how quickly he's done it. Now, here's where we start to get into hyperbole a little bit. People saying this has changed the game. It's completely turned everything upside down. Hold on here. Hold on. It's a gigantic win for him. And it puts Colorado back into the realm of relevancy. But let's pump the brakes a bit. Just a little bit on this one. So we're going to talk about this. No, no doubt it's a big deal. And it opened up avenues and it shows you what Deion Sanders can do. But if you're talking about winning the conference, winning the Pac-12, guys, come on. Come on. Although Colorado Southern Cal has a nice little zing to it, doesn't it? So we're going to look at that. Uh, speaking of Deion Sanders, his alma mater. The Knowles putting the SEC on notice. What they did to LSU last night, and LSU may not be the favorite in their division. LSU is a top 10 football team, and they just dismantled them in the second half. So what that means, and Pete's plays. Pete Alonzo, this is amazing what he did in hitting his 40th home run. Third time in five seasons, he's hit 40 home runs, driven in 100 RBI. Ralph Kiner did it four times. Eddie Matthews, Ryan Howard. Albert Pujols, that's a pretty exclusive company, man, to do that. And he probably would have four out of five if we didn't have the COVID year. So what Pete Alonzo now is looking at is he wraps up his, what, fifth season with the Mets. They're talking about trading him this offseason, so we're going to look at that as well. Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio, network. Follow, share, like, subscribe at Harp on Sports Twitter, at Harp on Sports Instagram. Harp on Sports, auditory route, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Harp on Sports YouTube channel, Harp on Sports, the Facebook page, and of course, HarpOnSports.com. Um, what Deion Sanders did, uh, look, to flip it around that quick, the guy knows what he's doing. The guy knows football. The guy knows how to coach. The guy knows how to recruit. And people are acting like this is, you know, shocking. Why, why is it shocking? The guy's been successful pretty much in anything that he's ever done. Jackson State, he was successful. He's a successful coach. I went back through and looked at some things here, just so I have this in the forefront for you. Jim Trestle at Youngstown State. Very good at Youngstown State. FCS school, just like Deion Sanders. What did Jim Trestle do? Won a national title at Youngstown State in 2000. Two years later, he's winning a national title at Ohio State. So Jim Trestle in 2000 won a national title at the FCS level, then he went on and won a national championship at Ohio State. It's a three or four year span there where you're building one program up and then you're winning in an elite program. So Deion Sanders making the jump like he did and having success. It's happened before Brian Kelly, Grand Valley state university division two. What's he do? He goes to central Michigan for a couple years, then goes to Cincinnati. Brian Kelly won a national title at Grand Valley state in 2003 Five years later, he's the head coach of Cincinnati in the Orange Bowl. And then they went undefeated the next year. He goes to Notre Dame. Coaches do make the leap from FCS level or former one AA FCS. They make that jump division two and they go to the next level and they win. So the fact that Deion Sanders had a tremendous amount of success at HBCU and was able to parlay that 
into the Big 12, or excuse me, into the Pac-12, going to be the Big 12 Colorado. When they're, now, the fact that he won right away and they put all those numbers up, I, I think is ahead of the curve a little bit. But Deion Sanders is a good football coach. And what does it mean? Well, it means that Colorado, for the first time in 20 years, is a remote stopper. They're a remote dropper. Couch. Remote to the couch. Remote to the couch. Oh, they're on. Boom, to the couch. I've already gone through programming-wise and tried to find games where I've got Colorado that I can carry when the Gators aren't playing. They're interesting. They're interesting. So, prime shine, baby. Prime shine. And it's not going to wear off anytime soon. What do I think? I think they're probably an 8-4 and four football team, 7-5. and five. People thought they'd maybe win three or four games. Come on. All that talent. Oh, by the way, the next time somebody tells you they'd rather have a heart than talent, look at what Dion's doing with talent. Come on. I'd rather have heart than talent. You know who says that? People without any talent. Because people without any talent identify with other people without any talent. Give me 10 guys that have heart over 10 athletes. No, I'll take the athletes. Heart over athletes. Dion Sanders just dropped a grenade in that garbage. Good try, though. I'm just impressed. Just so impressed. Oh, by the way, since speculation is already running rampant, oh my gosh, what happens here? Uh, Deion Sanders, will he stay at Colorado? Don't know. He's already said he doesn't want to coach in the NFL. Because that would, I don't think Jerry Jones would do it quite yet, but if McCarthy wouldn't work out, that, oh baby, but not, not going to happen. I, I went through and looked at a couple of places that... I think that Dion, where Dion would fit and flourish. And if I'm him, I don't leave Colorado unless I get a pretty sweet gig. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I have to have a pretty sweet gig. Here are some examples of some places. It would be interesting to see if Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M fall apart in the next year or two. If you're Dion, yeah, you'd probably make that move. The place where he fits in the best marketing-wise and growth-wise, is Oregon. Nike, Primetime, Dion, Oregon about ready to join the Big Ten. Now, these places all have coaches, and all these teams have good teams. Right? A&M, I don't know about A&M. But Oregon has a Heisman candidate, Bo Nix. And so, so, look, I'm just telling you where he fits, not that these jobs are opened up. And if you believe all the, the nonsense that Ryan Day, Ryan Day goes out and wins by 20 points, and he's in trouble uh oh, Ryan Day. Could Ryan Day be in trouble? Yeah, he won by three touchdowns on the road in the Big Ten against Indiana, who's a 500 team in the conference. Yeah, he sucks. I, look, <laughs> Ohio State could have a 10 to 2 year. Are they really going to get rid of him? See how quickly it takes to hire somebody. You, you start firing a coach that goes what? 11 and 1, 11 and 2, and probably wins the national title if his best player, best receiver doesn't get hurt. You fire him? But Dion to Ohio State, I, I just giving you some ex examples of where he would fit. You know, if I'm Dion, am I? You start to look around the landscape. What jobs could open up? I, who's near the end? Who's you know? If Dion would Dion go to North Carolina if Mac Brown would retire? Even though there's no, yeah. What would be interesting is what would Alabama do if Nick Saban would retire? Would they entertain that? So, just some little nuggets there. Uh, to me. Not that it would happen, but Dion also. Dion just fits in like any of the California schools, UCLA, USC, but both of them have coaches that have had some success. 
So don't really see him leaving anywhere, at least in that pocket. He's looking at a top 10 blue blood premier job. If Harbaugh would ever go back to the NFL, see, something like that. So prime shine, baby, prime shine. Uh, pivoting to Dion's alma mater, what Florida State did to LSU, yikes. Went through and looked at the numbers here. And Florida State's schedule doesn't have Drake May and North Carolina. It doesn't have a Notre Dame on it. So Florida State's schedule this year, they do get Clemson on the road here in three weeks. So they have to go to Clemson in three weeks. They get Miami at home. I'm trying to find, like, if you're Florida State, you don't have to play Notre Dame with Sam Hartman. Look, I don't know how good they're going to be, but they're a top 15 team. You don't have to play Notre Dame. You don't have to play North Carolina. Those are two quarterbacks that are, well, one's going to go in the first round. One's going to get drafted. I don't know where Hartman on the scale is, second rounder probably. North Carolina, you don't have to play those teams. Now, at clubs, is going to be tough. That's three weeks. Boom, here we go. But I look at Jordan Travis. I mean, 342 yards passing, two touchdowns. The way he ran the football, Keon Coleman. That team has some weapons. That team has some talent. Florida State is tough. They're tough. Now, are they a college football playoff team? I, we'll see. That Clemson game is going to be monstrous. They go into Clemson to win. I mean, that's a double-digit win team. And, you know, you see the parallels between Billy Napier and Mike Norvell. Mike Norvell, what he did at Florida State, is a prime example of what a realistic rebuild looks like. I've been saying this for years. Three and six, COVID year. Five and seven, ten and three. Look where he is now in year four. Because everybody that he recruited is a senior. I'm sure that there's still some people left on that team that were part of the Willie Taggart recruiting classes. But 85, 90% of those guys are his now. It's a realistic rebuild. Florida State was patient with him, and he rebuilt it. After a year too hot. That's why, you know, as you start to build this impatient, you have to build a foundation, and that's what he's done. He got himself a quarterback, hit the transfer portal hard. Had a successful year, made it enticing. You know, I look at this, and I go through and look at the numbers. With where the ACC is and what happened, and I mean, let's face it, it was it was big. It was big for them to demolish LSU the way that they demolished LSU because, look, what do we have? We had three SEC teams in the top five, right? Georgia, Alabama, LSU. And then you have Ohio State and Michigan. And the, the fact that that happened and that, oh, okay, wow. Because the, the thought process has always been what here the last four or five years? The third or fourth best team in the SEC is better than the ACC team. Clemson wins a couple of national titles, kind of slows that. But the last few years, the ACC, Clemson hasn't had the knockout punch in the last two years. Not like they've had in previous years. So what do we see here? We see Florida State now elevate and it's been about, what, seven or eight years since the ACC had a legitimate one-two punch? I mean, technically they did get two in the year of COVID into the college football playoff because Notre Dame beat Clemson, and Clemson turned around and destroyed them with Trevor Lawrence. And Yeah. But I, I'll i tell you what, Florida State and Clemson, they're legit. And then you have Mac Brown. What, let's not forget what North Carolina did to South Carolina. Now South Carolina's not an elite team in the SEC, but – 
You know, the ACC, where we were three, four years ago, they lose games like that. The ACC is now winning games like that. And I know Notre Dame's only a partial share when it comes to it. But you got the big two plus one now in the ACC. And what, what the Knowles did, what Mike Norkvell did, wow. Impressive. Schedule comes to them. You bet it does. And this is why in that conference, you have to high risk, high reward it. Boy, they high risk it. High rewarding it, too. If you're ranking teams, I, I understand the love for Alabama and Georgia, but if I were ranking teams, I'd rank Florida State number one if I had a vote. You bet I would. To be up three, four touchdowns on LSU on a neutral site, an LSU team a lot of people think are going to win 10, 11 games this year, to dismantle them like that, you bet. I'd rank Florida State number one. Why wouldn't you? Well, body of work. Oh, okay, we got one game to work off of. It's going to be a good football team. Could be a very good football team. Hey, build, build, build. And that's what Mike Norvell did. A realistic rebuild. So Gator fans out there, I know the the Napier naysayers after losing to Utah. It's gonna take a while. He went what Billy went six and seven his first year. Norvell went three and six, five and seven his second year, and then it clicked. In year three. Napier will get at least three. At least. So there we go. Even even Jimmy McElwain got only to get two and a half. All right, different circumstances, though. Wonder wrap with this. Pete Alonzo. Pete is, well, oh, before I get into Pete Alonzo, college football overall over the weekend, I know there's been a lot of talk about the clock and how quickly things sped up and how, you know, it, it's a way for the networks to make more commercials. How How is the network, how are TV networks going to make more money selling more commercials when the game's shorter? <laughs> right say it out loud so uh, they, they spread up the game so they can make more money how, how does it make any sense it makes zero sense look now do i think the games are going along at a pretty quick pace yes and this may change in the next few years yes what the clock stops in the final couple of minutes of each half on first downs you could push that back so it stops in the final five minutes in the second quarter and in the final five minutes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you, you could make a change like that. I, I'd be okay with something like moving it back a couple minutes. But Chip Kelly, we only got four drives in the first half. Okay, that's eight a game. I, I, good gosh. The games are taking four hours. Glad. Good rule. I like the, I like the change. More enjoyable. More enjoyable. I don't have games. I don't. I don't have joining in progress games in the second quarter because the first game took four hours. All right, peace place. Pete Alonzo, the former Gator. I mean, just hit his four over the weekend. Forty home run, one hundred RBIs. So he hits that threshold again three times in five years. Joining Ralph Kiner, who did it four of his first five years in the league. So this is the first five years in your league. Pete Alonzo has now hit forty and driven in a hundred three times. Eddie Matthews did it. Ryan Howard did it. Albert Pujols did it. Uh, that's some pretty exclusive company that Pete Alonzo joins. And you look at what Pete Alonzo is on pace to do. He's on pace to, you know, if he were to be a Met, and I'm going to look at some contract numbers here, what he's probably looking at. If he were to be a Met, if they'd sign him to an eight-year deal and he keeps up, a you know, not 40 every year, but he hits 35 to 40 home runs and drives in 100 runs a year. Pete's got a good chance to hit 400-plus home run, 450 in a Mets uniform. 
a legit shot to hit 450 home runs in a Met uniform. Now, some say he's more, I mean, you know, we point to Ryan Howard and Albert Pujols in these numbers. I don't know if he's quite that. People point he may be more Adam Dunn. He's hitting 220 this year. How much do you value batting average? I think it's one of the most overrated stats in baseball. I'd much rather have a guy that drives in or hits 42 home runs, drives in 120 runs and hits 240 than a guy that hits 360 that hits one home run, steals 40 bases and has 15 RBI. Looking to score runs. I'd rather have you go one for four with a three run bomb every game than go two for four, two singles. Impressed. Now, there's talk that the Mets may trade him in the offseason. Full rebuild. Let's not forget they give Francisco Lindor a pretty big deal. Um, $300 million for Francisco Lindor. And I go back and look at the shortstop. The Mets have, like, things have backfired on him. Scherzer backfired. Verlander didn't work out. They moved him. They get some prospects in return. Okay, I know they're in this full sale, you know, blow this thing up mode, at least with pitching. But to me, I'd like to see him sign Alonzo. And I'm going to give you an example. But Lindor's got 25 home runs and 81 RBI. For a middle infielder, that's pretty good. And he's on pace for 30-30. Francisco Lindor can be a 30-30 guy. Okay, well, there's productivity. 30 home runs. He and Pete Alonso for the next decade? You have to get Pete to do a Rafael Devers type of deal, though. Will he? I don't know. Pete's in a free agent a year from now. So in order to pull this off, you're going to have to give Pete. and The Red Sox did Devers a little early. In order to, to wrangle Alonzo in, Devers' deal is 10 years, $313 million. Make sure I get this right. Devers is 10 years, $313 million. He's 28 years old. He signs a 10-year, $313 million deal last offseason. So Pete Alonzo, 29 years old, going to be 29 years old. He's a year older than Devers. And Devers got 10-313. If Pete can do 10-313, I, I think the Mets would do it. Mets are probably looking more like an 8. I, I don't... 20, I, Will somebody give Pete Alonzo $30 million a year? Yeah, somebody will. Somebody will. I'd like to see him in Fenway targeting the Green Monster, but Cassis does a nice job for the Red Sox as it is. Somebody's going to give Pete that money. So will they trade him, get some prospects? I, I don't know. But when you, Ralph Kiner, Eddie Matthews, Ryan Howard, Albert Pujols, when you join those ranks your first five years in the bigs, and look, Pete's got 40 home runs. We've got you know, 20 plus games to go. Pete's going to end up with 45, 46 home runs. Going to probably drive in about a buck 20. Hit 230. So Pete's placing all this. Again, I understand, but with a DH, I mean, the guy can DH when he's 37, 38, 39. I know you're paying for more productivity now than later. Should they trade him? I, I think they're going to. Should they? No. If Pete will do a Raphael Devers type of deal, 10, 3, 13, I think Pete, you probably get him. Try to talk to him like nine, three, ten, a little bit more per year, because of the arbitration and, and when he hits the market. Pete's place and all this, so see what the Mets do. But Pete Alonso, historic context when it comes to hitting home runs now. Harpod Sports, the Bar Podcast.
Audio Media Radio Network. Follow, share, like, subscribe at Harp on Sports Twitter, at Harp on Sports Instagram, Harp on Sports, Auditory Route, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Harp on Sports Facebook page, Harp on Sports YouTube channel, and of course, HarpOnSports.com. Can have our NFL predictions coming up in our midweek podcast. In the meantime, stay clean, stay focused, stay strong. Frankenstein, have fun with your friends.